When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for being a part of the Fearless Army. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and when you do, ask me a question in the comments. Each week, we'll compile your best questions and answer them on air. with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Monday. Thank you for joining me. Hope your Thanksgiving week is as promising as my Thanksgiving week. I spent the entire weekend preparing for Thanksgiving on Thursday. I worked out so many times. I'm I'm only eating once a day uh, because when I get home to Indianapolis, and I get to all that good cooking in Indianapolis and all of my family. There's close to 100 of us gathering for Thanksgiving uh, this Thursday. And I am so looking forward to it. Uh, and so I'm, pre- I'm in prep. I'm prepping right now. I'm, I'm on a fast right now. I got my coffee. I'm, I'm, I'm just getting ready for Thanksgiving. And I hope you guys are looking forward to it as well. Uh, I've got my first cup of coffee. Today's episode is brought to you by First Cup Coffee, a Christian-owned Patriot Coffee Company that stands for core values, family, and building community across the nation. First Cup's freshly roasted beans delivered in ground or whole bean texture, pods, and bulk. Go to firstcup.com and use the promo code FEARLESS and save an additional 10% on your order. And if you subscribe, you can save an additional 10% for the life of your subscription. What could be better uh, than First Cup? Now, I don't drink coffee over the weekend. I only drink it here in studio and prep for this show so that I, and look, what am I, six, seven days into drinking coffee? This is probably my seventh cup of coffee in my life. I drank it last week. Anyway, uh, awesome, awesome show uh, planned for you today. I'm going to give you a big Daily Dose of Dion, and and I know you Dion worshipers are, oh, Whitlock, here you go again, talking about Dion. Why are you always talking about Dion? Because Dion's important, and because everybody's talking about Dion, and because nobody's talking about Dion better than me. No one's making better use of Dion and the whole Boulder miracle than me, and it's very educational. So I, I got a big Daily dose of Dion for you today. I got some Steve Kim. We'll talk some NFL football with uh, Steve Kim. But I want you to uh, kick back, relax, because I'm going to educate you today and put this whole Dion thing in even broader, larger perspective. Before I do that, guys, and, and call your friends. Start. If you're listening over Apple, you know I need you to give me that five-star rating as we continue to fight the algorithm. I need you to write a review of the show. Uh, if you're watching over YouTube, hit the likes button right now 
and continue to do it and remind other people to hit the likes button if you're in the chat. Make sure you got your subscriptions, your notifications. Look, the headwind against us is getting stronger and stronger. So we have to push back even harder and harder because they want to stop the message of this show. And today's show is going to be a prime example of why we need to be stopped. But we can't be stopped because we got God on our side. Uh, so before I get to this fire starter, an amazing fire starter, I hope it's going to be one of my best fire starters. I want to talk to you guys about Nugenics. Uh, guys, are you tired of wasting your money on testosterone booster products that don't work? I don't blame you. That's why our sponsor, Nugenics Total T, lets you try before you buy. Get a complimentary sample when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword fearless. Are you really ready to lose your shape, your muscle, your energy? As men age, we lose testosterone, the man hormone, the source of our fire. But Nugenics Total T boosts free and total testosterone levels to help you feel better at work, in the gym, and in the bedroom. There's nothing like Nugenics Total T and nothing better. Nugenics is the number one doctor recommended brand and the number one selling testosterone boosting brand at GNC and Walmart. Nugenics Total T can help re-energize your life and help you get back the powerful, confident, good-looking warrior you used to be. And if you're not totally satisfied, Nugenics will refund 100% of your purchase price plus shipping and processing. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword fearless. Text now and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo X, our newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you lose fast and get lean fast absolutely free text 231-231 and enter the keyword fearless that's 231-231 enter the keyword fearless listen guys all these products that you hear me passionately promoting nugenics liver help all of this stuff is stuff that i authentically use and believe in i don't know pull that you know, don't push the camera, but take a little closer look at me. For those of you, sit, I mean, seriously, it's not, don't, it's not just the dyed hair. Can't you tell how amazing I look? Can't you tell how amazing I sound? Nugenics is part of my health strategy that is working. That's got me. I'm not lying here. I'm not lying. On Saturday, I worked out three times. I worked out three times on Saturday, early in the morning, like at 6 a.m., again at like 12 p.m. at noon as I'm watching, uh, I think it was the Michigan football game. They were playing Maryland. And then I came back at night with my hardest workout of the day at like 6 p.m. I got three workouts in. Three. Nugenics, it's helping me out. Let it help you. Anyway, I've, I've gone on too long. and I've, I'm, I've, I want to get to this fire starter. This fire starter is amazing. Uh, so let's get to it. At this point, Deion Sanders has more in common with Jim Jones than Nick Saban. Jim Jones, of course, is one of America's most notorious cult leaders. In the 1960s and 70s, he used a mashup of Christian theology, Marxism, racial idolatry, and social justice to convince a large group of followers 
to relocate to a jungle in South America. He promised his congregants they would build an oppression-free paradise in Guyana. A little more than a year after their arrival in Guyana, on November 18, 1978, Jim Jones talked his church members into drinking cyanide lace flavor aid. 909 people died. 70% of Jones's followers were black. 45% of them were black women. So uh, I want you to make sure you understand that stat. Jones had like a thousand uh, members total. I believe the exact number is 461 of them were black women. 461 of 1,000 were black women. Abused Christian theology, Marxism, racial idolatry, and social justice have been combined and used repeatedly to make fools of black Americans. Too often, black people find racialized religious doctrine irresistible. In hopes of building an oppression-free football paradise in Boulder, Colorado, Deion Sanders has employed the same formula as Jim Jones. Coach Prime cast himself as one cup evangelical motivator, a tablespoon of racial justice warrior, a gallon of American Idol, and a full-blown useful idiot for Marxists. Throughout the fall, black celebrities and sports fans flocked to one of the most white locales in America to worship at the foot of their football cult leader, buying whatever apparel or bull junk, as Dion says, Coach Prime sold. After a 3-0 start, Dion was coach deity, an untouchable hero, a threat to Nick Saban as college football's greatest coach. Any critique of Sanders brought allegations of racism or race betrayal. Coach Deity had turned Colorado's year-long football wine into life-sustaining water. L let me give you an example of Dion's mashup of Christian theology, racial idolatry, all the little tools that Jim Jones used. Let me give you a little mashup, a little taste of what how Dion packaged himself and sold himself to black America and America at large. Play the clip. Don't you ever tell me what God ain't. Don't you ever tell me his limits. Everybody. Buff Nation who supported us in all the hood that had my back. I thank y'all. God, this is good. What's up, boss? You believe now? You, you, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, no. Do you believe now? But, uh, yeah, I, I keep receipts. Uh, you better get me right now. This is the worst we're going to be. You better get me right now. That's Deion Sanders with his little mixture. All the hood that supported me, all the, uh, you know, remember that we didn't even put it in the clip of, you know, how uncomfortable he made white people. How, remember how uncomfortable Dion made everybody? Because he's walking his walk and talking his talk, and he made everybody uncomfortable. That's Dion Sanders doing his Jim Jones impersonation. This guy is closer to Jim Jones than Nick Saban. Well, uh, late 
Friday night and early Saturday morning on November 18th, 2023. 45 years to the day that Jim Jones led a mass suicide, the Colts Prime Colts suffered its Dion Town Massacre. In the battle for last place in the Pac-12 Conference, the Washington State Cougars destroyed Coach Prime's Colorado Buffaloes 56-14. Yeah, that's right. For all the hype and bluster, Dion's rebuilt Buffaloes will finish in the same spot as last year's team, looking up at every other team in its conference. Even with an unlikely victory in its season finale, a road game against Utah, Colorado cannot escape the Pac-12 basement. At best, it can finish tied for last place with a 2-7 conference record. For those of you who drank the Coach Prime Kool-Aid, thankfully all you will suffer is wounded pride and ego. What I hope, this, it, what I hope is this is a teachable moment about the dangers of falling for a cult of personality, of pledging allegiance to anyone based on skin color rather than a set of values. Throughout the football season, I have been repeatedly ridiculed and demonized for relentlessly criticizing Dion's coaching style and methods. I've been accused of being obsessed with the Hall of Fame football legend. My genuine obsession is with sharing a worldview that leads to improved decision-making and rids people of their idolatry. We live in an era ruled by idolatry, the religious worship of idols. Whether those idols be food, sex, money, popularity, material goods, youth, race, or the alleged heroes and influencers pop culture celebrates. Idols control our behavior and interfere with our obedience to the truth spelled out in the Bible. I suffer from idolatry. The only idol I've truly conquered is hero worship. Everything else remains a day-to-day -day struggle, a battle I fight with prayer, meditation, song, and study of the word. I also fight it by engaging in a daily conversation about the dangers of idolatry. Dion and Colorado football provided me with the perfect topic to consistently analyze the pitfalls of idolatry. Coach Prime epitomizes unrepentant idolatry. He's been the spokesman for the pleasures of idolatry for 40 years. While claiming Christian faith, he flamboyantly and unapologetically chases money, popularity, youth, material possessions, sex, pride, and racial justice. His cult followers defend his lack of repentance by arguing that he's always been this way, Dion hasn't changed. His defenders claim Dion has mastered the art of being relatable to kids. Their defenses are an indictment. No man should relish his inability to evolve and mature. And no grown man, especially a father and leader, should desire to be relatable to kids. That's not our role. We should desire to be seen as wise. A child should, see, should relate to his peers and seek wisdom from adults. The pursuit of relatability 
acts as a beard for avoidance of the responsibility of manhood. Dion does not want to grow up. He's made youthfulness an idol. The gold chains, the hoodie, the sunglasses, the friendship with rappers half his age are all symptoms of his fear of aging. We all can relate to that. I certainly can. I dye my hair three or four times a year. Getting old is uncomfortable and scary. It's pointless, however, to fight it. Rather than fight a losing battle, we should spend our last days sharing all that we know with the younger generations. The sharing of wisdom lessens the chance of the next generation repeating our mistakes. I spent the entire college football season attempting to educate fans about how Dion's early success was fool's goal. It was never sustainable. The offensive strategy Colorado employed allowed Dion's son to pad his stats at quarterback, but it undermined development of the offensive line and would cost the team's games later in the season. Dion's insistence on centering himself and his coach prime brand worked against building the kind of locker room chemistry that could handle inevitable adversity. Dion's outsized, hey, look at me persona guaranteed that his team would always face an emotionally inspired opponent. Beyond the winning and losing of football games, Dion's representation of Christian faith was always most problematic. Dion's incredible lack of humility calls into question the sincerity of his faith. You cannot claim the king of kings while making yourself the king. Dion made himself an idol. He sought victory through trying to persuade his players, the media, and fans to worship him. Of all of his blasphemous slogans, I am him is the worst. More than anyone, I hope that Dion Sanders has learned the most from my daily dose of Dion segments and columns. It's never too late to learn, repent, and transform. Dion has much wisdom to share if he's capable of self-evaluation. He can put away his gold chains, the rap music, his desire to be popular and relatable. He can build a locker room culture centered around uplifting and educating every player on the team. It's not impossible to win football games with Dion's immature and secular approach. But games are not worth winning if the approach sours souls rather than saves them. That's my fire starter. I want to add on to my fire starter by uh, playing a clip. <clears throat> and this is from, I, I think, Dion's kids or son that's, you know, big on the social media and films and tape records, everything it's from the well off media. I think that's Dion and his kids. They put out a video about their trip to Washington State. And, and, and this video says it all about Deion Sanders and why I have criticized and, and used Deion as a talking point to make a larger point to you all. And, and, and why Deion's leadership does not work. And I don't care if next year, if they won every game, 
His leadership style is inappropriate, immature, poisonous, corrosive. This is like, for the, oh, uh, defending Dion's approach is like defending Cardi B and Sexy Red and all the male gangster rappers that laid the path for Cardi B and Sexy Red. You can make money with that poisonous, demonic music. You can be successful. The world can celebrate you despite your spreading of a poison. It don't make it right. And so I'm not, I did not, just based off football, I didn't think what Dion was doing was going to work this year. Schematically and just the obsession with his son and the padding of his son's stats and, and running an offense that in no way allowed that offensive line to develop and mature and get better. He sacrificed everything trying to put his son in the Heisman race. Put his son's own health in danger trying to put his son in the Heisman race. It was bad strategy, and anybody with a football IQ over 10 could see that, hey, this is going to, with this offensive line and what they're doing, they're not going to win games. And they were lucky to win at least two of the four games they won early in the season, if not three. Very lucky. But from a football standpoint, you could see it. This isn't going to work. But, but from a larger context of like, this won't work in terms of all the people that say, oh, Dion's trying to build men. And Dion says all these inspirational and Christian things. And he's using this and that to, to reach the kids with the word and gospel. No, he's not. No, he's not. And that's why I will never apologize for criticizing because I'm trying to snap him out of it. I'm trying to snap you out of it. We need to quit falling for charlatans. Dion is a football version of Jim Jones. Jim Jones talked people into committing suicide and drinking cyanide uh, or Kool-Aid lace cyanide or cyanide lace Kool-Aid and killing themselves quickly. The stuff Dion is pumping into those kids, that's a much longer process, but it's still very self-destructible. Let's play the clip of, this is just a little two-minute clip of their trip to Washington State and all the signs of Dion's stupidity and how poisonous his message is are right here in this clip. That's what I feed off of. All y'all are predators. You hunters, because you got two eyes in the front. It's a goal out there. It's a goal out there. They see by how we walk, we ain't from around here. They came to see a show tonight. Only thing gonna show is this right here. Voters in the house. Our leader is here with us. We had vision from the jump 
and didn't nobody believe in us. It's a story I always loved, man, about Gideon, man. It's in the Bible. He had a thousand soldiers with him. They was all riding for him, right? God said, you got too many. He said, tell the ones who scared they can go home right now, won't be no penalty. They walked. They had about 400 left. He said, you still got too many. So he said, take them down to the water hole, right? He said, when they drink, the ones with their eyes down, they not prepared. They not real dogs. You ever see a dog in the street? You ever see a dog done fought all his life? When he eat, his eyes still right here. He looking up, cause he know where his food at. My brother, his food on this table over here, bro. Winners win championship is, is won. In the winter, in the cold, ain't no warmers on us. We ain't got no hand warmers. We don't need that shit. We coming out here, we gonna ride tonight. Now, let me tell you something. Little bro is ignorant. Big bro got down. So guess what? Give Big Bro his theme music. Mm. That's the pregame speech before getting blown out 56 to 14. That's the pregame speech before getting blown out by 42 points against a team that went into the game sharing last place in the conference against a team that was on a six-game losing streak before you arrived. They beat you by 42 points. They ended their six-game losing streak beating you by 42 points. That's the pregame speech. That should remove all mystery about why they got curb stomped in Pullman, Washington. That is quite possibly the most ignorant pregame speech I've ever heard in my life, particularly given a Power Five conference, an elite university, paying Dion nearly $6 million a year, and Dion, I guess, is so ill that he had to have a replacement person give the pregame speech, and that's what was said to the team. L let me walk you through the ignorance and the poison that was just spread in that two-minute clip. At the beginning of it, as they're walking into the locker room, Deion Sanders has a DJ in his football locker room playing commercial rap music. Deion Sanders has a DJ in his locker room playing commercial rap music, cursing, N-word, all of it, in his locker room. But this is a man of great faith. He's feeding young people the poison of commercial rap music while pretending to be some sort of evangelical, while pretending to be someone driven by God. God told me to come to Colorado. God this, God that. He puts out his little praying Instagram uh, videos and tweets. But I'm going to feed you the poison of rap music. Not only am I going to have rappers come in and speak to you in the locker room, we got a DJ in the locker room before the game. I <clears throat> Listen. I'm no authority and, 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 and am, am on 
somewhat shaky ground uh, questioning Dion's faith. I'm on very shaky ground, and I want to be careful here because, you know, people can easily just, hey, look at me and look at my gluttony and obesity and say, hey, I'm, Whitlock, you calling your faith into question. I get it. But if you think I'm going to advise, pass on my love of fast food to young people, if you think I'm going to promote that and celebrate and say, hey, you know, this is a good thing. You should do it. If you, I'm, I'm going to have a locker room filled with McDonald's double cheeseburgers and double filet of fish sandwiches. That's our pregame meal. It's not going to happen. I'm going to cop to my sins and not and be wise enough and obedient enough to do everything in my power to make sure I don't burden any young people with the mistakes that I made. And so anybody in a legitimate faith walk that has reached the age of 56, I'm not talking about a 32-year-old coach. I'm talking about a 56-year-old coach, same age as me, claims a religious faith, and you haven't figured out that this commercial rap music is poison and demonic? Stop it. I, I, I just, I, I do not buy that. This is someone trying to relate to kids rather than provide wisdom to kids. I don't want to be relatable. I don't want to be the same idiot that I was at 21, 31, 41, or even 55. I want to be evolving every year. I'm, I'm not saying this to put myself on some pedestal, but again, as you guys have watched me through, through three years of this show, and as anybody has watched me over the course of the last five to seven years, as I've moved closer and closer to God, I've moved further and further and further away from rap music to the point that I have now, off my Apple Music, I eliminated all rap music. Now, I haven't really listened to rap in two or three years, but occasionally during a workout, I might dip into some rap music thinking it motivated me. Occasionally. And then I figured out that this gospel music inspired me more. And then I figured out that other forms of music that had no cursing and no promotion of debauchery and foolishness and immorality inspired me more. And so I just deleted all rap music off because now when I hear it as someone in a relationship with God, when I hear it, I just hear all the poison. And I'm just like, I can't deal with it. This, this music tastes like crap to me. I just don't understand how Dion hasn't figured that out at 56 years old, calling himself a leader. No way any mature believer, anybody that's uh, trying to be a leader of young men, anybody that's trying to be a leader of anything should be pouring commercial rap music into young kids.
So that, that's point one. Then we get to the pregame speech. And, and I don't, if someone can translate uh, what the speaker, whatever that guy's name, how we went from be around here, if, if anybody knows what he was saying, maybe he was speaking in tongues, I, I don't know. But that was some of the most ignorant. I just, if you're going to have someone give a pregame speech, let someone do it that has a, some sort of command of the English language. But I'm being a little nitpicky there. Where, where I really, really, really got offended and, and where it really hits home for me is the man stood up there and told the most convoluted, distorted story of Gideon's army. You're going to stand in front of young men and repeat the story of Gideon and blow up, not get right, the basic facts of Gideon's army. Thousand men. No, Gideon's army originally was 32,000. It wasn't 1,000. And God uh, first said, you know, told him, hey, reduce that army, you got too many. Uh, tell any of them that are scared, they can go home. No problem, I won't hold it against them. 22,000 left. And then there were 10,000 men. And God... God then said, hey, take them down to the river and let them drink some water and get rid of all the ones that, you know, don't drink the water properly. And so some 300 cupped the water in their hands and lapped it into their mouth like a dog. And the reason why they say lapped it into their mouth like a dog is because a dog will cup his tongue pick up some water, and then lap it into his mouth. That's the smart way for a dog to drink water. And the smart way for a man to drink water from the river, like cup it in your hand and bring it up, particularly a soldier. Because if you put your entire face down to lap it up like this, you're not prepared to fight. You're not, but, but, but the real point of why God instructed Gideon to further reduce his army is because God wanted to make it crystal clear that this was a miracle from God. Only God could do this. Only God could take 300 men and beat an army of thousands. I, I believe the opponents had 132,000 or, or something like that, and I, here I go. Maybe I'm screwing up some facts, but they were fight, the Mennonites, I think, had 130-some-odd thousand soldiers. God took 300 men and crushed them. And he wanted it so obvious that it was a miracle and the work of God, that's why he reduced it to 300. Had nothing to do with, you know, keeping your eyes up like a dog that's hunting, there's food over here, blah, blah, blah. This is, that ignorance bothers me because, again, Dion and his whole group, they're playing with the word of God. They're distorting the word of God to try to win football games, to try to dress up 
all of the immorality, debauchery, the idolatry that rules that program. They're trying to package wickedness, trying to beard wickedness with the perception of spirituality and Christian beliefs. Dion is dangerous in his current state. He's doing the exact same thing that all cult leaders do and Jim Jones did. He, he's made himself an idol. And this is the final thing, the final kick in the pants, the final kick in the stomach, the final kick in the groins is when Dion, Dion's hype man, uh, I'm ignorant, but Dion got down. Play Dion, play, that, play our man's theme music. You're about to go play a football game. And you're in the locker room saying, play my theme music. Play my theme music. This is about me, Dion. This isn't about you. This isn't about us. Right before the game, he's telling the kids, this is about me. Play my theme music. And then Dion and his other worshipers, or the worshiper that gave his hype speech, jumps off the pedestal and comes down and daps up Dion and hugs him up. This entire thing is about Dion, and it's about Dion being worshiped. This is dangerous. And again, I'm not saying Dion's going to uh, create a mass suicide. But he's modeling a form of behavior that leads to self-destruction. Any grown person, any mature person, any person claiming a Christian faith should see this and call it out for what it is. Dion is poisoning those young men. Maybe some of them are smart enough and grounded enough in the word, they can see through Dion's BS. But the, the, the way the media has celebrated Dion, the way the culture has celebrated Dion, the way sports fans have celebrated and defended Dion, those young men have every right to believe, hey man, what Dion is doing is right. And when I get a chance, to be in a position of leadership, to be given some authority. I should make myself an idol and try to bait the people following me to worship me and, and, and to use me as their guide and to turn everything into a celebration of me. And I should try to be relatable to young people. He's feeding young people a poisonous mindset. He's feeding you a poisonous mindset. This is not what mature leadership looks like at all. And this is unique. Most coaches, and I've been around a lot, and I've been in locker rooms, they are just as flawed as me, you, and everybody else. 
but they go out of their way not to make it about them, but to make it about the players and us and the university and what we can accomplish as a team. They try to pass on values. Most coaches, particularly in football, try to pass on values consistent with a biblical worldview. Dion's not doing that. Dion is bearding his idolatry with this, yeah, look at these uh, verses I quote, look at these prayers I do. Look, Dion's got a video where, he on, where he's praying and pretends to speak in tongues. This is the kind of foolish stuff that Jim Jones did and baited a thousand people, 70% of them black, 46% of them black women, into following him straight to hell. I, I want to be Chris, because I, I can't believe, Jason, you compared him to Jim Jones. You done gone too far. No, I'm being accurate. This will not be, what Dion is spreading will not lead to a quick suicide. It will lead to a long one. A lifetime of self-destructive behaviors and, and a self-destructive, self-destructive mindset. And, and I don't care if they go 12 and 0 and win the national championship next year, although I highly doubt it. But I don't care if they do that. Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre are the toast of pop culture. Eminem, 50 Cent, Meek Mill, Lil Wayne, Drake, all of them devilish, demonic forces are at the top of pop culture, had plenty of success. Success, worldly success is not an indication of righteousness at all. It's actually, worldly success is actually an indication of, boy, you're willing to cut some corners, and boy, you're willing to make a deal with the devil. That's why I've been ripping Dion all year. I suspected from a football sense, this season, it was not going to lead to victories. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it will not lead to building better men. It will not happen. These guys are obsessed with jewelry. His son's driving a Rolls Royce. They're, they're obsessed with the world. They're idolatrous. And they're, they're celebrating the pleasures of idolatry. Dion can... No different than me and anybody listening. Dion can stop on a dime and pivot and do something better. I hope that he does. I hope that some of you develop the courage to ask for him to do something better. To pressure him to do something better. To reject what we saw this season. Take off your racial idolatry glasses. 
Take him off. Accept Dion for what he is. Right now, he's the black Jim Jones of college football. Uh, before we bring on Steve Kim, uh, you guys know I love talking about preborn. You guys know that it's part of our worldview here at Fearless that life begins at conception. And preborn is the number one organization uh, promoting and supporting that belief that life begins at conception. Preborn provides expectant mothers who are considering abortion an ultrasound. That ultrasound lets that woman hear the baby's heartbeat, lets her see the image of the baby in her womb. Once that ultrasound is given to that woman, she is more than twice as likely to choose life. And that's when preborn really steps in and steps up. They then support that woman with the material needs she needs to get through the pregnancy and the first two years of that baby's life outside the womb. Diapers, nursing, all of it. Preborn steps in, and that's where our money goes to support preborn's efforts for ultrasounds and the support the woman needs the first two years of that baby's life outside the womb. And so whether you give $28 or $280 or $28,000 or $28 million, it all goes to supporting life. God's most precious gift is life. Preborn supports that belief, that worldview. Uh, so there's two ways to give. You guys know. Uh, you can hit pound 250, say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 on your cell phone, say the keyword baby. Or you can give the way I love to give, preborn.com slash fearless. That's preborn.com slash fearless. Uh, if you're listening over Apple, five-star rating, it's important. Write a review, it's important. If you're watching over YouTube, hit the likes. Let's fight the algorithm. The kind of messaging, the, the, the kind of fire starter I just gave, the, the kind of explanation of, of why our mindset is important and, and to be on the lookout for these charlatans that keep getting put in our face, to hoodwink us, to bamboozle us, to, to bait us, to ignore our biblical values and adopt worldly values and support things that kill and destroy us. They don't want those messages popularized. This entire algorithmic, social media, internet platform, all of it, it's all rigged to destroy and to confuse and to distract us from God's truth. We need to fight back. That's what we're doing here. All right, Steve Kim, next. It's my obligation, no hate, discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom. Jason Whitlock, previously on Fearless. This era of quarterback play, Brett, I just don't, it's not producing great quarterbacks. There's a big drop off from the era that you and Manning and Brady and Rodgers. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I think there's probably tough guys, but I don't know if you're going to know it. You ain't got to prove it. And I, I'm going to say this, it's not their fault necessarily. Right. Good point. It's where it, the it's, game is. It's, it's the nature of the game. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Josh Allen is it. probably the closest thing because he 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 goes for it. He puts himself yeah. in that. You don't and, have and, to and, anymore. And, I know. Yeah, he doesn't have to. And this he's so going to get old, hurt. He's old school though. He's going to get knocked. He's going to get hurt. Yeah. They're all going to get hurt. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For years, Hollywood has been lacking when it comes to stories of redemption. Movies and TV shows have trended towards the anti-hero, the flawed person who makes no effort to change and just becomes worse and worse as the story goes on. Well, here's some great news. The Blind, the true story of the Robertson family, is now available for purchase on Blaze TV. Maybe you've made a mess of your life. Maybe someone you love is in a dark place. Maybe all the above. If you or someone you know feels beyond redemption, you need to watch this movie. You'll see there is always hope. Always, The Blind takes you on an incredible journey through the life of Phil Robertson, giving you an intimate look into the man behind the legend and the trials and the triumphs and the values that have shaped him through the years. While The Blind wasn't a Blaze Media production, since Phil Robertson is such a big part of our Blaze TV family, we wanted to make sure you had the opportunity to stream it here. Because it isn't ours, we can't include it as part of the subscription. But if you'd rather purchase it and stream it here rather than Apple and Amazon, we wanted to make sure the opportunity was there. Act now. Don't miss this opportunity to own The Blind, a Phil Robertson story on Blaze TV. Buy it today at blazetv.com slash theblind for $19.99. That's blazetv.com slash theblind. All right, welcome back. Uh, Steve, this might be uh, our final big dose of the Daily Dose of Dion. I don't know if I'll circle back. I don't know if I'll circle back next week when they get beat by Utah or after that. I I don't know. But maybe, but I I don't know. I'll probably will circle back to Dion. Who knows? But we'll see what happens. But we're getting towards the end of the Daily Doses of Dion. You sent me the video from Well Off Media of, of the DJ in the locker room playing rap music. I, <laughs> you can't convince me that this is sound football coaching that, that we've now moved to the place where rap music DJs are part of the traveling squad with a football team. <sighs> when you saw the video, what did you think? I, I mean, I said, well, after the game, I, I said to myself, yeah, Club Prime is now closed. I, I don't think there's any long lines. Take away the velvet ropes. Uh, you know, my, my question is this. Can't you just bring a boombox and your old public enemy and DJ Easy Rock, Rob Bass cassettes? <laughs> you know, LL Cool J, Cool Modi. You know, yeah, yeah, I'm old. 
but I, I'm just like, where are the priorities here? I actually binged a little bit off well off media and I sent you a couple. And look, I'm not in that locker room or around that program on any basis. Okay. But this is just my assumption. I don't think Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, Ryan Day, or even Jim Harbaugh would have uh, Jazzy Jeff as part of the traveling contingent for their team. (laughs) Could you imagine (laughs) planes about to take off and all of a sudden the DJ starts conferring with Prime? Hold on, hold on, hold up the plane. Uh, We forgot our wax albums. Hold on, because we got to have the darn theme music. And look, I get it. It's no longer the days of Woody Hayes and Bear Bryant. may not even be the days of Jimmy Johnson and Bobby Bowden. But my assumption is, and again, just my opinion, I think many of the most successful programs probably are not nearly as loose. They're probably a lot more tighter in their operation. And the word that comes to mind as I see a lot of this Colorado footage is frivolity. There's a lot of frivolity going on, and football still is a physical battle that is played by hard, tough men willing to do things in a very disciplined fashion. Now, talent matters, absolutely, but I'll be honest with you. As someone that loved the 1980s Hurricanes or two live Hurricanes that were the Renegades, I I get the sense they weren't like this, that there was a lot more seriousness involved alongside the Flash, and I don't know. I'm an old guy. I get it. I'm the Korean curmudgeon. That's not the way I would personally run any football program. And so in Dion's quest to be cool and hip, Hmm. it's supposed to create this great windfall of recruiting that Hmm. everybody wants to play for Dion. Boulder, Colorado's got the best weed. Dion's got the best rappers coming to the game. Uh, oh, the snow, the snow bunnies are just off the chains in Boulder. And, and, and we keep looking up, and I don't see Dion's team moving up in the recruiting rankings on any of these sites. And as you sent me uh, yesterday, they just lost their lone offensive lineman recruit. Uh, yeah. I think his name's Talon Chandler. He just flipped his commitment. He got offered by Mizzou in the, in the past month. And he he flipped his commitment. This is a 2024. He's a center, fifth best center in the uh, high school football, according to Rivals.com. They lost their only offensive lineman recruit this weekend. All of Dion's hipness isn't producing these amazing results in the, on the recruiting trail. Well, Jason, you've said it. When it comes to the offensive line, a lot of those guys with their mentality may not may not be attracted to this. Uh, honestly, these guys just want to play ball. They want to be in a disciplined, structured system that's going to help them grow. And also, from a pure football perspective, Eli Drinkwitz at Mizzou is doing a great job. That's one of the best coaching jobs of the year. That is a program on the Ascension. And my sources, and I got a lot of them, I'm the Asian Schefter, told me that T.J. Moe had a hell of a recruiting pitch. That's why he flipped. It was the T.J. Moe factor <laughs> that got him to Mizzou. But, but the other thing is, Jason, as I'm watching this video and I watched the game on Friday night, and I know you did too, 
You know who really did not want to be there more than anyone else, including all the players, except for maybe Travis Hunter, who is an incredible ball player. Uh, his ball skills are unreal. That guy's a real player. I have no knocks on him. The one individual that really looked like he did not want to be there at all was Coach Deion Sanders. He looked like a guy, and I, trust me, me and you both probably experienced it. Remember when you'd get detention during our more incorrigible days as students? And you had to spend that Saturday or an extra hour and a half after school and you're just sitting there, you know, like Breakfast Club. Great movie, by the way. That's what Dion looked like. He didn't even have enough. Look, he may have been ill, but I'd get sick, too, if I had to watch that football. But he looked like a guy that was just counting down the minutes to get out of Pullman and get right back to his home or office. It just... It was such a bad look. I mean, he had the shell shock look on his face. It was 42-7, and I got the sense Washington State probably could have put 70 if they really chose to. Uh, Steve, I'm about to say something that's going to trigger the Dion groupies uh, uh -oh. watching the show. Oh, boy. But oh, boy. Dion, Dion and Shadur tapped out Friday night. They, they tapped out. Dion using the excuse of a cold or flu. Shadur using the excuse of, I twisted my ankle on a light hit in my back when I received a bad snap from center. Uh, and, you know, had to be helped off the field, allegedly. You couldn't tell what was going on, but, you know, because of an ankle. Then he put the towel over his head. He went full Cam Newton put the towel over his head on the sidelines, and never returned to the game. They were down 28-7 to at that point, and I felt like that Dion, with his attitude and his demeanor and not being a, you know, he wore his illness everywhere. He wanted to garner sympathy. I thought in his post-game press conference, he leaned into his illness, trying to garner sympathy. I feel like Dion and Shadur tapped out. Uh, I don't disagree, and I thought it was really interesting that there was a Colorado Buffalo player who basically said, we play selfish football, we should be much better, and his name is Cavassier. Yes, Cavassier Smoke. Uh, I think his older brother's name is Bacardi. Uh, but anyway, and his sister Kalua. But anyway. <laughs> no, I, no, he's got a sister named Hennessy, by the way, but go ahead. Yeah, blame it on her. But anyway, so the, the thing was, it's starting to leak out. I, in watching these videos uh, that is produced by Dion's oldest son, they seem to focus in on like three players. And I don't know if that's causing a lot of players to say, hey, guys, we're here too. Or maybe a lot of players don't want to be a part of this, that they're just sick of this. They just want to put their head down, play football, get their education, do their time, and then move on with their life. And I get Again, this is just my feel. A lot of players are like, wait a minute. Are we playing for the University of Colorado? Or are we just bit players in the reality show starring the Sanders family? Hmm. Hmm. Steve, you make an excellent point, And this is what Dion and the worshipers haven't figured out. Is that there is actually a small minority of people who want desperately to be famous and who are comfortable with their lives being recorded and televised and broadcast to the world. 
Then there's the overwhelming majority of people that want a private life, yeah. that aren't in pursuit of being famous, aren't in pursuit of having a big social media brand. And, and that overwhelming majority of people may not be comfortable with Dion and his oldest son tape recording yeah. everything. And, and some of those guys are football players. There are a lot of football players that just want to be left alone, want to you know, have their life. They just want to be normal. Dion thinks, because Dion can't see beyond Dion, and he thinks everybody wants to be Dion. He can't see that there are other that want no parts of being Dion, don't want to be flamboyant, don't yeah. want the gold jewelry, don't want everything recorded. That's one of the critical mistakes he's making. Jason, there are times, and I know this from dealing with fighters before a fight, you'll see them in the bowels of the arena or near the locker room. And I know certain guys, by the look on their face, don't even say hi. We have a great relationship. We can talk later, but leave them alone. And many football players, as they get into their stall, putting on their equipment, they go into very dark, violent places mentally. What you need to do to get the game of football going. And the last thing certain guys or many guys want, Jason, as you're just as you're tying your shoe or putting on your pads, is paparazzi in your face. I mean, honestly, and then you really can't say anything because that's the coach's son. Jason, uh, I was watching some video. There's, there's a YouTuber that I watch that covers college football daily. He's very funny, living the high life because he's a Georgia fan. His name is Uncle Lou. And he has been calling out Dion from the beginning. And he had one of the greatest lines. And I think it was during the, either the halftime of this past Friday's game or a video from a couple weeks ago. He described Coach Sanders as a team mom with a gold chain or a gold whistle. And I said, oh, my God, Whitlock's going to be upset that he didn't come up with that line. But I, I do find it interesting. Where are the celebrities? Where are the rappers? Where are the athletes for the most part? If this is truly a cultural movement, you should not be dissuaded by the results or a couple of losses. What was that great song, Stand By Your Prime? Where are they? Well, Steve, I will say this. They're going to gas back up the bandwagon in 2024. The, hmm. the Coach Prime guys, are they're just hibernating right now. They're, they're scared. They're embarrassed. They don't, you know, they've all, they're just hibernating. And, and they're going to they're all come back full steam come September 2024, and we're going to see a reenactment of this whole thing. They're, they're hoping that Dion that crushes the transfer portal uh, this offseason. I, I, now, I Hold think on. Dion, I, go ahead. Jason, I think you're making an assumption and I think I know you're going with this. They may lose as many players as they get. And those outgoing players, people talk. You're on, you're on text chains right now with teammates from 30, 40 years ago. You don't think that players are saying, hey, guys, uh, this, this, this ain't what it was or what you think. This is kind of a – man, it ain't for us. If you want to play some real football, get the hell out of here. That's what I'm doing. Players and recruits talk. I'm actually not interested in who they gain. That's fine. I want to see who they lose and why. Well, that's where I was going with, with my next comment, is that things this offseason could get so chaotic 
that Dion doesn't make it to 2024, that he Ooh, taps wow. out. Uh, th- 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 there's a chance of that. Th- uh, there's a chance of that because because of what you're talking about, because of what we've just seen with Talon Chandler. What, we, what What's the wide receiver, uh, for the 2025 wide receiver that, that flipped already or decommitted uh, to, to, to Colorado? This thing this offseason could get very, very toxic and chaotic. You could see a mass exodus. And you could see a lot of guys that are in the transfer portal not be interested in what Dion has going on because only an idiot wouldn't be able to see, like, 2024 is it for Dion. That's mm. Shadur's last season. That's Shiloh's last season. Am I really going to run off to Colorado when I know, and trust me, other college coaches is, are educating from these opponents, these competitors of Dion. They're educating the recruits on that guy's not going to be there. That, go look at how they ran their offense. Go look at this is all about Shadur. De, Dion's. I don't think he's ever coached a team that his sons weren't a part of. And you think he's going to start with you? Are, are you kidding me? Have you listened to him all season? And, and Jason, I, I would love to know the inner thoughts of one Sean Lewis. Coaches talk, too. There is a fraternity of coaches, and they're going to be asking Mr. Lewis, Sean, what's that job like? What can I expect? Should I take it? Is it toxic? Do you do I want to be there? The other thing that was funny, Jason, I'm watching the end of the game, and Colorado brings in a backup quarterback who wore number 23. And I'm thinking, this kid probably never had any plans of playing, and the coaches probably never thought they were going to play him. Because if you're a quarterback and you're wearing anything above the number 19, you better be Bernie Kozar, Doug Flutie, and John Hadle. But when I saw number 23 at quarterback, I said, oh, God. Now I see why Shadur really doesn't come out of games. But, yeah, um, this is going to be one of the most interesting offseasons. And, again, it's not for who Colorado acquires. To me, it'll be more telling over who leaves. Well, and here's what could really send this thing haywire because, trust me, Dion is a finger pointer at the end of the day. And so what they're going to be reduced to in recruiting, in which all of recruiting has come down to this, but it's even going to be more so, more pronounced at Colorado. It's going to be how much money are you willing to spend? Mm-hmm. What type of NIL deals? They're going to be trying to hire mercenaries out of the transfer portal, guys <laughs> willing to sell themselves off to the highest bidder. And if Dion reaches the conclusion, hey, Colorado doesn't want to pay up for what it costs to fix this offensive and defensive line, he'll start pointing fingers no different than when he shot his way out the door at Jackson State and, and blamed Jackson State and, you know, had to get, you know, my I got robbed, my kids got robbed, it's too dangerous here. Uh Jackson State didn't deliver on all of its promises, the money I was supposed to get for attendance and all that other stuff. That's when, uh, trust me, if he can't buy the players he wants out of the transfer portal, he's going to blame Colorado because, again, the recruiting thing is not going well. And and so this this offseason will be interesting. What happens on Saturday on the road at Utah – Will be interesting because they could get well, they could get ransacked again. They could get beat by 
30, 40, 50 points again by Utah. Utah just lost a very tough game. They're going to want to end on a strong note. And and Dion's team, I don't think they won a conference game at home. And against good teams, they're they're not very good on the road. And and everybody's looking for outs. That Dion Shadur, they never expect it. And I, I'm going to tell you the other guy. If you watch that tape, because I, I was watching the defense very closely, Shiloh was not playing the way that he had played all season. He was not showing up big and physical. And, yep. and that strong in run support. He, I don't know if he made any plays uh, Friday night. Maybe I, I missed something. But I'm telling the Sanders crew, they're tapping out. And they could tap out again Saturday. Keep this in mind about Utah under Kyle Whittingham, who I think is just a great coach. He gets more out of his talent. And that is a program built on culture. And they don't do that whole transfer portal thing. They develop guys over a four or five year stretch. Kyle Whittingham, to me, is a top 10 coach. Rice Eccles Stadium is one of the great home field advantages in football. It's unfortunate that their starting quarterback, Cam Rising, well, wait till next year. He's decided to come back for his seventh season. But that is a real football program. They are serious people. And the dynamic is Jason, just like Washington State, that is their senior day. Senior days mean something to people that have put in four or five years of your life to going from a young boy to a young man. I know, I know you went through it at Ball State. A lot of emotions come out, and a lot of those guys are not going to the NFL. And Colorado's a type of team with their behavior. They put a target on their back. Teams get up for them like they do Georgia and Alabama, except they have Colorado talent. That's the issue. And let's go all the way back when this tsunami of Jason Whitlock hateration or Haitian came into play. You go back to the TCU win. If Deion Sanders would have walked into that press conference and you know what? God bless everything. It's week one. I'm just glad that we won. We got to be humble. But I'm just beginning this process. I'm thankful for this win. Instead of calling people out like you just won back-to-back Super Bowls, he brought this on himself and ultimately his players. Steve, I want to switch up to the National Football League. Before I do that, I want to talk to you guys about Unitas. The sports and lifestyle apparel industry has been dominated for years by companies with divisive agendas, companies that use your dollars to fund things you don't really agree with. Unitas is the alternative. It's a new clothing company founded by NBA player Jonathan Isaac that offers a values-based alternative for stylish, high-quality sports and lifestyle apparel. But it's more than cool clothes. Unitas is a community and a movement bringing people together in support of traditional values like faith, family, and freedom. When you shop Unitas, you're supporting a company committed to bolstering these values and upholding them in the marketplace. Jonathan Isaac recently launched his first signature shoe under the Unitas called the Judah One. The Judah One is a making history as the first ever first ever signature shoe to feature a visible Bible verse on the exterior. The collection features five different shoes in five different colors, all inspiring you to live out your faith with boldness. To shop Judah One, visit weareunitas.com. That's weareunitus.com. Use our promo code BLAZE1, that's BLAZE and the number one, at checkout for free shipping. All right, uh, Steve, let me return to you, and let me remember. Oh, yeah, I know what I want to talk to you about. The Denver Broncos last night. 
Mm. They just mm. win their third straight? Or, fourth, am I, I right? Think. I think they just won fourth. their four, oh, fourth straight. Yeah. yeah. They're now, aren't they now five and five or something crazy mm-hmm. like that? Uh, they're, they're actually in the playoff hunt. Uh, let me read your RG3 tweet about Russell Wilson that oh, I kind of agree with. Uh, man, everyone who said Russell Wilson was washed has been real quiet lately. Game-winning drive making those special off-schedule throws for TDs we are used to seeing him make. Don't hide now. Make sure your apology is just as loud as your disrespect was. Uh, you know. Hold on. Not a big fan of the messenger, but I, I kind of agree with that message. Don't do, do, do we owe... We, I don't know if I ever jumped ship on, our, uh, on Russell Wilson, but is Russell Wilson owed an apology from his critics? Okay, maybe he's not so overblown Russell weirdo anymore, but I, I, would, I would surmise that maybe this has become Peyton's place, Sean Peyton's place. Maybe it's his structure, his organization, and his discipline. And I'll give everyone their credit. When, when they gave up that 70-burger to Miami, it felt like, oh boy, this looks like a three-win team. But again, Sean Payton, he's, he's a really good coach. He wins a lot of games. And let's be honest about what took place last night. The Minnesota Vikings were in complete control of that game, 17-9. They seemed to be driving for another score. Um, Madison fumbled. Then you had a, an interception off a deflection from Josh Dobbs, who's actually played well. I thought they were lucky to win that game. But again, they stayed in the game. They're playing really good defense. But let's not make it sound like Russell Wilson is throwing for 400 yards and four touchdowns a game. They are game managing with them, and he's making a few key plays. Let's not overblow this here, Whitlock. Jeez. Uh, hold, uh, pump, 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 pump those breaks, Steve. Because no, you're one of the people that that owe dangerous uh, no, an apology because you're one of the guys that have been running around calling him Russell Weirdo and all this other stuff. I, l- l- let me uh, let me let me advise you of something. Let, let me advise you of something. I, I just want to repeat a couple of stats for you: 19 TDs and four interceptions, Steve. 19 TDs and four interceptions. Ten games into the season. Come on now, 19 and four. Come it's on, good. Th- th- that's that's a that's a very you know, and I got no problem with someone game managing me to nineteen and four as it relates to touchdowns to TD ratio, uh, right. touchdown and, to INT ratio. And I will give Russell Wilson credit because the players play, but it all began when Sean Payton said, "Hey, Russell, your office upstairs. Yeah, out of here with that. Um, you're gonna be a part of the team. We're gonna do it my way." Okay, and by the way, Russell Wilson also, I think, admitted he was playing too heavy last year. You know, my argument is, why'd you get that heavy in the first place? You know, uh, I don't want to hear why I lost 20 pounds. I, I would have said, why'd you ever put on 20? It's just the way I am. I'm the curmudgeon. But Russell Wilson still has some gas left in the tank. I will give him that. But last year, he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. He deserved all that derision. It seemed like the teammates didn't like him that much. That has more to do with him than anyone else. Now, credit to him. He's playing well. But also, Sean Payton deserves a lot of credit here. Steve, have you ever made $200 million, you know, be, before the age of 33, 34 years old? You Not know, yet. It, it, oh. I can, and I can only imagine, because, but it warps your mind. 
And so what I'm going to give Russell credit for is accepting the pushback and leadership of, of Sean Payton. And you can say he had no options, but I've seen players with no options do a lot of foolish things and play the race card or play the victim card or go to the media and push back against the head coach. Russell Wilson got corrected, criticized publicly by his head coach, and has seemingly adjusted his attitude and approach, and it's working. And now we could be headed into an offseason where Denver is not looking for a new quarterback. They're looking for additional pieces to put around Russell in, in that offense and on defense. And, and, and they have, they're going to have a team, perhaps, with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson at quarterback that could be a legitimate playoff threat, if not Super Bowl contender, next year. Well, okay, let, let's just see what happens in the next month and a half. I am willing to give Russell Wilson another shot. That's the way it is. It's very conditional with me. You play well, I'm going to like you. You don't play well, I'm not. But I'm, I'm, I will put this out there. If he tries to do that let's ride thing and make that a thing, I'm back off. That was That's part of the problem with them is that he thought more about the brand than actually being a football player. He's gone back to being a football player and a productive one, which he has been, to his credit, my hat's off to him. All right, so we're going to find out the truth over the next month. Uh, and a half, They yes. They played the Browns Top team, at the Texans, defense. at Chargers, oh. at the Lions. Oh. Next four oh. weeks. Let's revisit Next four this. weeks are going to be interesting. Yeah. Let's we'll, revisit We'll, we'll give it a month. Yeah. And revisit this. All right, let me move on to uh, – I want to compare uh, two coaches, two organizations. Uh, Brandon Staley, Ron mm -hmm. Rivera, mm -hmm. L.A. Chargers, mm -hmm. Washington Commanders. Uh, which coach deserves to be fired most? Brandon Staley or Ron Rivera? Uh, Brandon Staley is getting a little testy with reporters. I think he knows his job's on the line. I would imagine both these guys have their jobs on the line. But let's, before you answer, I want to play this clip of uh, Brandon uh, Staley getting testy with reporters. I have full confidence, like I t I've told you, and like I've told you from the beginning, I have full confidence in our way of playing. Full confidence in myself as the play caller and the way that we teach and the way that we scheme. Full confidence in that. we got to bring this group together and do it consistently. Okay? And that's where it's at. So you can stop asking that question. Okay? I'm going to be calling the defenses, okay? So I'm not here to talk to, f to the fan base. I'm here to talk to my players, the locker room. I know that we give ourselves a chance to win every single week with the game plans that we have, okay? And we have done it here. You guys act like we've never played good defense. That's not the truth. That's not the truth. You act like we haven't made any improvements. Today in the run game, we played outstanding. We're rushing the quarterback well. What we got to do a better job of is in the passing game. And that's where our full attention is, and it's where it will continue to be. There were a lot of other things that caused us to lose today. It certainly wasn't our defense. It was the way we played as a team. We didn't play well on, enough on the red zone on offense. We dropped too many passes. Okay? We gave up a few killer sacks. Okay? We did this as a team. Stop making it about one unit because that's not what happened out there today. Our team lost, and I am fully responsible for it, and I take full responsibility. But we lost as a team today, and that's the storyline. <laughs> but the side of the ball that I focus on played well. Right. Just remember that. The defense played well. <laughs> yeah, and gave up the game-winning drive to Jordan Love. Uh, uh, but 
in terms of the talent they have to work with in the totality of events, it would be Brandon Staley. Okay, because look, the Redskins are a young developing team. I'm actually seeing some hope with Sam Howell at times. The Chargers seemingly are built to win now, and they're not. But I'm going to do something here that I rarely do based on what I saw yesterday, not everything else. I'm going to defend Staley a little bit here. Yesterday, they had Keenan Allen drop a wide-open pass in the end zone. His son may have gotten in his eyes. That's a Hall of Fame player flubbing. That doesn't happen a lot. Quintez Johnson, their number one draft choice, who's not proving to be anything near Mike Williams, he had a streak or a go route that should have been a game-winning touchdown dropped. In the red zone, Austin Eckler, who's an outstanding running back, slips, falls, fumbles inside the five. So, Jason, is it the players that should get some blame in this case or Brandon Staley? I know Staley is an easy target, and, and I've taken my shots. But in that particular game, you also had a third and 16 where a defensive back, uh, Asante Samuels Jr., he makes one of the worst mistakes I've ever seen in that situation with that P.I. I'll be honest with you, Jason, and, and this does not change my overall viewpoint of his job security. I put that loss on the players. I agree with you there. The, the Johnson drop is just Ugh. inexcusable. Uh, the Keenan out, you know, and it's, it's highlighted more because it came at the end of the game, but you're right about Keenan Allen as well. And, and, Brandon Stay, I get why he was defensive, but I, I wouldn't have shown that level of defensiveness no. because he's like, oh, you're in there asking me, Quinn, did you see what these players did? We put them in a winning position yeah. and they blew the game is basically what he cannot say. Jason. Uh, but And Jason, once you start to get petulant and you utter words like that in essence say, I don't care about the fans, you know who you're really going to lose? The fans. And there is growing resentment. Now, look, is, the, is there as much scrutiny on Brandon Staley as there is Lincoln Riley in L.A.? Quite frankly, no, because nobody really cares about the Chargers in L.A. still. That's the reality. <laughs> uh, we may get to Lincoln Riley tomorrow. I want to oh. switch just a little bit up to uh, Ron Rivera and the Washington Commanders be, because Ron Rivera is going to get fired. Yeah. Let me ask this follow-up. Has Eric Bieniemy and that offense done enough to make you think they should elevate Eric Bieniemy to head coach? I actually like what they're doing. Sam Howell, if he doesn't get himself killed with that reckless style of play, he actually looks like he's going to be a decent to solid NFL starter. And there are times that the Washington, whatever they're called now, offense actually looks good. I don't know if he gets my full endorsement, but my statement is Eric Bieniemy's actually done a pretty good job of bringing along that offense. I agree with you oh. that Eric Bieniemy has elevated that offense. If you look at the comparison last year and this year, there's improvement in virtually every category and and you got to credit that to one them committing to Sam Howe as their quarterback, but two, Eric Bieniemy being the offensive coordinator, uh, working with him. I, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you the other thing that's working in Eric Bieniemy's favor is D'Amico Ryan. The, 
the success Ooh. the Houston Texans are having with D'Amico Ryan probably makes it likely that Biennemi gets elevated uh, to that head coaching job. I, I, I think smartly, I would hold on to Ron Rivera throughout the rest of this year. Yeah. Let Eric Biennemi continue to focus on improving that offense and make that decision rather than saddling him with the last five, six, seven games of this season and and potentially putting five, six, seven losses on his resume. Eric Bieniemy would be better off staying the OC for the rest of this season and and letting his stats and Sam Howe and improvement offensively do all the talking for him. Although, you know, Sam Howe has <laughs> He's 18 and 12, by the way, 18 TDs, 12 interceptions. And, you know, I, I hate to admit this, but uh, that pick six at the end of the game, at the end of the game cost me on a parlay. Uh, <laughs> and Jason, but, to your yeah. point, the, the turnaround in terms of effort with Antonio Pierce and the Las Vegas Raiders, that might yeah. also help. I mean, the Raiders are now playing yeah. hard. They absolutely quit on McDaniels. They had shut him out. There was about to be a mutiny on the mountain. He was Captain Queek. He's been thrown overboard. And Antonio Pierce, early on, and again, there's still a lot of football, he's making a case that maybe he's not just the interim coach in Las Vegas. I, I don't want anybody to read hear this as an indictment of, of Antonio Pierce, but everything the Raiders have done in these last three weeks is all about the hatred of Josh McDaniel. And mm -hmm. that's fuel's only gonna last so long. And so the, okay. the animus towards Josh McDaniel has inspired the team to go out and prove that, you know, they couldn't stand Josh McDaniel. I don't know if any statement has really been made about Antonio Pierce other than him taking advantage of the animus that was there for Josh McDaniel. And so <clears throat> I would really advise the Raiders and everybody pump the brakes before jumping on the Antonio Pierce bandwagon as some sort of head coach. He, he, this is a nice little situation that he's taking advantage of, and maybe he'll be a head coach down the line, but I'd be very leery of promoting him. All right, let me move on to the last topic. Uh, which team just this past week, not over the course of the season, just this past Sunday, who were you more impressed with? The Detroit Lions, mm. big comeback, uh, digging out of a hole against Chicago Bears and winning that game in the last second, or uh, the San Francisco 49ers just crushing another opponent? All right, based on the way they played, and you know I'm a Dan Campbell guy, and I love my knee-biting Detroit Lions, but they, they got outplayed for much of that game. They kind of needed a miracle comeback, but now that is an operation. They are winning games that they would routinely lose in the past. Okay? But in terms of the performance, San Francisco, when they're healthy, they're as good as any roster in the National Football League. And as you mentioned last week with Chase Young and uh, Bosa, they now have a fourth-quarter pass rush. They have the ability to close out games. Still a little bit sloppy, but again, now they have Debo back, Trent Williams, and all of a sudden, guess what? Brock is pretty good again. It's amazing how that works out. So based on what I saw in their overall performance, if I was about to grade them in terms of how they played, 
Um, it would be San Francisco for this week. I was more impressed with Detroit. I expected really? what I saw from San Francisco playing against Tampa. I expected that. I mean, they, they again, you add Chase Young to Nick Boza and the rest of Fred Werner and Greenlaw and the rest of that defense. They're, they're supposed to blow the doors off the Buccaneers. And, and Brock Purdy with all those weapons and Kyle Shanahan dialing up plays. I expect Christian McCaffrey. I expect them to be highly efficient and look like the best team in football, which I thought they did. Brock Purdy had a perfect passer rating. I think first time that's happened in many, many years. But what I was impressed with, I've seen Detroit lose the game that they played yesterday time and time and time again. Jared Goff was horrendous for three quarters. Through three interceptions, they fumbled the ball. There was every reason for them to lose that game. I didn't know that Jared Goff had that in him, to snap mm. out of it, make the plays in the in the clutch. I'm three quarters in, I was just like, see, this is why you can't trust Jared Goff. This is why you got to move on from Jared Goff. And when they came back and won the game, I was like, hmm, mm. hadn't seen that from Jared Goff. I was more impressed with the Detroit Lions. Yeah, and, and Jason, they now have a dynamic one-two punch that they are both healthy. Montgomery and Gibbs. And... and Go back to when golf went to the Super Bowl in 2018 with the Rams. He had a guy by the name of Todd Gurley before his knees blew out, played at a very high level. Jared Goff, when he is supported by a good running game, can conduct surgery. Now, for three quarters, he should have had his medical practice uh, disbanded because that was malpractice. What He nearly gave that game away to a bad football team. But Gibbs, I was the one person, I have to give myself credit, I do, I said, people, I like when he was drafted. Because if you're going to treat him like a four-year... I remember that. And I said to people, this guy is dynamic, and he could do some Marshall Falk-like things that we have not seen yet because he can come out of the backfield, and he is a nightmare in terms of a matchup with linebackers out in the open field. But he's also breaking off big plays from the line of scrimmage as a ball carrier. And him and Montgomery really complement each other well. And now they have Jamison Williams back. The gambler. Um, he provides a deep threat that can take the top off the defense, and you let St. Brown do all the, the the intermediate stuff. Jason, that's a dangerous, dangerous offense that plays in a dome. The weather really is no factor for at least eight or nine weeks a year. This team, I'll say it again, uh, unless they have some major injuries, they're going to win 12 to 13 games this season. Uh, thank you, Steve. Great job. Hopefully we'll see you tomorrow at Steve Kim. Play tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow.